0: Well, I've got a bit of imposter syndrome here because as a fill-in host for the Global Game. I've gone over to Qatar now to interview the regular host of the Global Game in Simon Hill, who's joined us all the way from
1: Doha. Hello, Shim. Hello, Garvey. You're doing a great job, mate.
0: (laughs) You haven't been listening. You don't know, but thank you very much anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You've been to Qatar plenty over the journey. We were there together sharing an apartment uh, for the World Cup, of course, just over 12 months ago. Um, What's it like to be back as we... Delve into the uh, specifics of the soccer in a moment.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like deja vu, Galvi. Uh The security <laughs> cordons are still the same around the stadiums. It takes you hours to get anywhere. But uh, no, obviously, it's great to be here for a major tournament. Um, <laughs> a little bit of variety in terms of the destination will be nice. But, you know, we know that this is modern football these days. So, uh, yeah, we're joining. it. You know, we're doing uh, the World Food commentary as well as for, for Network 10 and Paramount Plus. So, Uh, You know, we're very busy. We've got a game every day. Uh, Today's Indonesia against Iraq, but uh, no, it's a lot of fun. That must be a lot of work,
0: obviously, trying to uh, scrub up on the names of different players from all over the world. But of course, the main focus is Australia and uh, we're off to a winning start. After half an hour, we were a little bit nervy, but uh, eventually... The goal came in courtesy of Jackson Irvine in the second half after a rare Indian mistake. They defended well early, and then uh, McGree and Boss combined beautifully for the second. So what's the uh, the feeling on the ground over there about the way the Socceroos played and, and what should be read into it in the early stages?
1: Well, I think they get uh, a pass mark, probably no more than that, for doing what they had to do against India. Uh, the performance could have been a bit better. And to be honest, there were, there were echoes of... At least in my eyes, what happened against Bahrain, a a team that, you know, defended in depth and defended very doggedly, by the way. I think they deserve, as you rightly say, a lot of credit for the way they dug in and really tried to frustrate Australia. They didn't have a lot up top, let's be honest. But, uh, uh, you know, defensively, they were very, very solid. Um, But Australia found a way, as they did against Bahrain, which is great. Uh, whether that's going to be enough when you get to the pointy end of the tournament and you're facing the likes of Saudi Arabia, who I think we're scheduled to meet in the quarters, and then Japan, if we were to win that in the semis, is a different matter entirely. But, uh, you know, the old saying is, is that you don't start at 100% and yet you build into the tournament. Uh, so in that regard, I think it's it's a solid enough building block without really pulling up any trees and I'd I'd hope that they'd be a bit better against uh, Syria and they'll probably have to be.
0: Yeah I was impressed with India though I mean look, Igor Stimash doesn't have much to work with in terms of talent but he's got them well organized you know and if we've seen it Mm. so many times in football and have done for a hundred years if the superior team which Australia were on the balance of play doesn't quite have it in the final third and the inferior team is well-organized and grows in confidence defensively, you know, they can potentially snare a result. He's been there for five years now. He's a former Croatian national team manager, obviously a fantastic player for them. Uh, you know, They're a fascinating football nation because there's a billion people. I heard you and Harps on the call saying that football is a, a big sport there. Um, you almost hope that they can go to another level, but, you know, there seems to be some sort of building block
1: there for them. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, they won three trophies, albeit minor ones and in- Uh, 2023 Uh, and this speaks i think in terms of the bigger picture to the globalization of football Uh, you know the indian super league is growing in stature it's had a lot of investment, and of course they're now uh, attracting players uh, good players from overseas we know that a lot of players from the league have gone there jason cummings and dibby Petratos, to name but two there's plenty of others Mm -hmm. Uh, so these indian players are being exposed to uh, good players and and good levels of football, and they're growing. And uh, goodness me, if they get it right, they could be anything they want to be, because as you rightly say, there's a billion people in that country. And cricket aside, football is the main sport there. So, uh, you know, they, they've got something to build on and that they're, they're making progress. And, you know, just on some of the individuals, Igor Stimac gave a debut to Deepak Tangri in, in midfield. And I thought he was absolutely sensational. Uh, Ditto Jingen, the, the central defender who ended the game playing with the headbands, you know, they, they they didn't cause Australia too many problems in an attacking sense. And that's that's the missing link. And we saw this, uh, you know, when Vietnam played Japan, they're a bit better than India going forward. And they managed to grab a couple of goals. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's all very well setting up in a defensive block and being solid. But the next part of the game is, is to try and score goals at the other end. So, yeah you know, that's something that they've got to work on. But there's no doubt that they're an emerging nation in football terms. And, you know, the AFC is going to be all the stronger for it if uh, if India starts to, uh, to become a, a power on the regional stage. Back to Australia, I guess the big talking point out of the game was the impact of Riley
0: McGree and then Jordan Boss off the bench. So... Is it a fait complete that they come in and start now? Why didn't they start this game? Was it to give a couple other players opportunities against the weakest team in the group? And do they certainly come in from here on in? Because the feeling amongst fans is get both of those players in the starting 11 and we're a much better football team.
1: Yeah, I think Riley McGree in particular, uh, you know, gave Australia that little bit of extra creativity, that bit of spark that they'd been missing in midfield. Um, and this is no disrespect to the three midfielders that started, Metcalf, Irvine and Bacchus. Um, but, you know, they get they can be a little bit samey at times. Maybe Jackson irvine you know got a bit more about him going forward. Uh, Keanu Bacchus had a decent game. But, uh, you know, we're, we're as a nation, I think, probably missing that Tommy Rogic type player, that Aaron Moy, that Massimo Luongo, uh, who's recently retired. Somebody who can unlock a stubborn defence, which India were. And Riley McGree did that off the bench. So he certainly put his hand up for selection for the game against Syria. Uh, Jordan Boss, of course, is probably in direct competition with Aziz Bayic, even though he can play a bit further up the field as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the nod in in game two as well. I I think Graham Arnold went with a hugely experienced team against India, although they're the weakest team in the group. He couldn't afford any slip-ups. And, uh, you know, this speaks to the pressure around a major tournament. I mean, you remember four years ago, uh, you know, Graham was was very bullish before the game against Jordan. We're going to dominate them and we're going to impose our game. And it ended up backfiring as they lost and then they're playing catch-up. So you, you can understand it in a way that he wanted by hook or by crook to get those three points on the board. And uh, he did that.
0: Now we hope that Australia takes things up a level against trickier opposition in Syria and Uzbekistan. What have we seen from them? They played out a draw in the first game, which helps Australia top the group potentially. Keeps Syria and Uzbekistan alive, but Australia wants to finish first in the group. It boosts the Socceroos' chances of doing that, providing they take care of business against Syria and Uzbekistan. How do you uh,
1: frame those
0: matchups based on their first
1: performance? Well, I think if you can imagine that the Asian Cup is a staircase, uh, you know, Australia have taken the first and probably most straightforward step. And from here on in, it gets a little bit steeper. Uh, Syria, I think, are the third best team in the group. Um, Bit surprised that they're without Omar Al-Soma. Somebody's told me that's an injury, but uh, I've heard heard also that he's fallen out with Hector Cooper, uh, the coach. So he's not here, which is a, a major surprise. He's probably their best player. Omar Krubin, is, but started on the bench against Uzbekistan. So, you know, this is a new look, Syria, from the one that we remember from the 2017 uh, World Cup playoffs. Uh, they've got uh, some expats, as a lot of teams uh, are doing at this uh, Asian Cup. Uh, I'm about to call Indonesia, and they, they've, you know, dipped into their, their diaspora to try and boost the level of their team. And Syria have done the same. Uh, Hector Cooper calling particularly on South American players of, of Syrian descent uh, to try and improve the level of his team. So I think they'll be tough to beat. Again, you know, I don't think they've they've got a huge amount up top, particularly without uh, Al-Soma. Maybe Kribin will start. He's he's a very good player. We remember him from 2017. Uzbekistan for me is going to be the toughest game in the group. Uh, they're without doubts um, the the best of the next level. In Asia, and even though they're without Eldor Shomurodov, who's who's injured, that the Roma striker is on loan at Cali, which is, which is a big blow for them, uh, they could provide Australia, I think, with the sternest test, and I think that will decide who who finishes top of the group. And uh, obviously, Australia want to do that to have a more straightforward round of sixteen tie. Couple of quick ones, and then my final question. Firstly, who do you think wins
0: it? Early stages of the tournament. <laughs> what's your pick? I know you want Australia. But just a quick one on who you think might win it.
1: Well, Japan. I mean, (laughs) you know, even though they got a bit of a scare against Vietnam, uh, going two on down, the the quality that they have and the depth off the bench, when you can bring on the likes of Ritsu Doan um, and Ayesa Ueda, you know, they they could field two teams. Takuma Asano didn't even take to the field against uh, Vietnam. You know, he's been wrapped in cotton wool, uh, Kubo, another one, in place of Real Sociedad, he was on the bench uh, against Vietnam. So, you know, they're scary. They've won 11 straight games. They've scored 49 goals in that uh, 11-game streak. And even though they were a little bit lax defensively, I'm not too sure about their goalkeeper, to be honest, Zion Suzuki. Uh, but they've got so much uh, going forward. I-, I think it will take an extraordinarily good performance Uh, from anybody to stop them, really.
0: Who is the team that you think might be the best story? For those who are observing the Asian Cup, give us a romantic story at this tournament that we can maybe keep an eye on.
1: A romantic story. Uh, Well, it would be nice to see a team from Southeast Asia, you know, go deep into this tournament. I I think that's an untapped region in terms of uh, football passion uh, and success on the regional stage, Uh, Are any of them good enough to do that? Mm, Vietnam were handy. You know, they were good defensively for a while against Japan before quality told. Uh, So they're a potential good news story. Philip Trusia, hugely experienced coach, has won the Asian Cup before. Uh, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, they're all improving. Uh, Thailand are without Shanatip, which uh, which is a big problem for them. He's such a good player. Uh, The other two are are a bit of an unknown. I'll probably tell you more after I see Indonesia today against Iraq. But that will be a great story. And just on Iraq, I think, again, you know, they could be the romantic story, if you like. Uh, It it looks as though they've got another golden generation brewing, a young striker called Mohamed Ali, who's very highly rated Ali Jassim as well. So uh, under the leadership of Jesus Casas, the the Spanish coach, who used to be number two to Javi Garcia at Watford, by the way, in the Premier League, uh, they could go deep into this tournament. They normally do, to be honest, uh, and are normally ignored by most of the pundits in terms of who's going to win it. So I don't know. What what price another uh, Iraq sensational Asian Cup victory?
0: It's Kyrgyzstan for me. We went there a number of years ago, Simon, you might remember. We had a great time. I was just... Amazed by how passionate they were about their football and their team. And we saw signs there that they had some ability you know if they were given some years to grow and if they're in this Asian Cup I think they play some nice stuff so that's the romantic story for me in this tournament now the Asian Cup on the whole I was there in 2019 in the UAE uh, the culture is a little bit different a little bit similar I should say in, in Qatar and I was amazed that they, you know, they made it so difficult for the average fan to get in there'd be a VIP entrance that are, I kid you not listeners a V VIP entrance that's not a joke an extra <laughs> V in front for the very very important people What's the like of this tournament? Has anything changed or is it much of the same?
1: No, it's just the same. It's just (laughs) the same. This is the way it is in, in West Asia, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, there are little irritations, uh, you know, particularly the exclusion zones around stadiums. It's it's like Fort Knox trying to get in. Your drivers are going round and round and round trying to find an access point. And every time you find one, the, the answer is no, you've got to go into the next one. Nobody really seems to know, you know, where you're supposed to be. Uh, and you are walking. You know, hundreds of meters in, in pretty hot temperatures, and it's in, it's winter here, but you know, it's still late 20s, early 30s some days. Um, so it can be pretty tiring, uh, trying to navigate your way around the stadiums, but uh, yeah, that's you know, that's the way it is in this neck of the woods, and and something really that the AFC could probably do with looking at, but um, yeah, I don't think things are going to change in the short term. We're not VVIPs, Garvey, we never uh, were, and probably never will be.
0: Yeah, I think you qualify and you should be. The World Cup was great because that was FIFA run. And when AFC runs it, then it's a slightly different story sometimes, perhaps. but I'll, t- uh, I'll, tell,
1: you we, I'll tell you who we did see yesterday, who, who does have VVIP status. Uh, we saw Timmy Cale at uh, the Japan-Vietnam game. So Timmy had no problems. <laughs> I'm shocked that he's secured
0: that sort of status. I mean, we saw him on the broadcast for Australia-India. It looked like he had a lounge to himself in the stadium. So... Yeah, well, after what he did in 2015, good luck to him. He deserves it. Simon, thanks so much, mate, for uh, joining us on your show, The Global Game, and uh, we look forward to listening to your calls
1: on Network 10 and
0: Paramount Plus from Qatar Pleasure. for the Asian Cup. Go the Socceroos.
1: Pleasure, mates, and uh, thanks, thanks for keeping the chair warm for me. You're doing a great job. No
0: worries. Job. All good.